Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is your co-host, Brian, and we're going to try something a little bit new. Uh, It's 2021. It's now past our 10-year anniversary, and we're going to try something a little bit new. Uh, We're always going to continue to have the the interview shows. Those will always go out on Wednesday. But we wanted to um, also add a little more context to what's going on in our industry. I know there's a lot of new people to the show, and there's a lot that goes on in our industry. And in a lot of cases, sometimes it's good to put some things in perspective. It's good to understand historically how we got to where we were. Uh, Sometimes it's good to just kind of have some some context, if you will, or new perspective on this. So uh, we're going to introduce something I'm going to call sort of Sunday Perspectives. This show is going to go out on Sundays. So if you're listening to this, you'll pick it up on on Sunday. Uh, it'll be a little shorter than the normal interview show. We're going to try and keep it to around 15 minutes or, show, or so. And uh, we're going to kind of just dive into a lot of different topics, um, really try and put some perspective on sometimes the latest news and trends that are going on in the industry. And in some cases, you know, kind of how we got here and why we got here and where we are. Because so much of what we do in cloud computing builds on other things that have happened in the past, um, whether those are personality-driven or technology-driven. So with that, in this first segment of Sunday Perspectives, we're going to look at sort of Andy Jassy's career, uh, his uh, what he's done at AWS. Obviously, uh, with Jeff Bezos stepping down as CEO of Amazon and Andy Jassy now taking over as CEO of Amazon, uh, we're obviously at some point going to see a new CEO at AWS. So uh, right after the break, we're going to take a look at Andy's uh, career and Andy's, you know, what his legacy at AWS right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog. Start monitoring EC2, RDS, ECS, and all your other AWS services in minutes with Datadog. Whether you have 10 instances or 10,000, Datadog automatically tracks hosts as you scale. Visualize metrics, automatically alert on anomalies, and collaborate across teams to quickly troubleshoot issues before they escalate. Give it a try with a free 14-day trial by visiting datadog.com cloudcast and Datadog will send you a comfy, complimentary t-shirt. That's datadog.com slash cloudcast. All right, so let's take a look at the legacy of Andy Jassy at AWS. And, you know, as I'm thinking about that title, uh, I don't want anybody to perceive that Andy's going away. Obviously, he's stepping up to a bigger role to take on uh, the CEO role of all of Amazon, really one of the largest companies in the world. Well, let's take a look at um, you know, kind of what's been built so far since 2006 at AWS when it was first started. Andy Jassy was one of the original people amongst about 40 people that started AWS, and uh, it has grown from you know literally a single or one or two services in 2006 to what we are, nearly 200 services here in 2021. Uh, let's put a couple things in perspective. Uh, when they got started, you know, 2006, um, you know, it was all, it was until 2012 before Amazon ever broke out the revenue numbers for AWS. And we always were curious as to what it was, how big it was, how much revenue it was making, how many servers they had. And so from 2006 until 2012, it was always just sort of lumped into the other category in the way that Amazon.com or Amazon announced their earnings. It wasn't until 2012 that they first broke out that AWS had become a billion-dollar division of Amazon, and it was around $1.5 billion in 2012 that it was announced. It wasn't until 2015 
that AWS was deemed to be profitable. So uh, that first year, uh, I think they did about $250 million in, in operating profit. So you know, it took them a good nine years or so to get to be profitable. And obviously now it's become a, a pretty big juggernaut at doing almost $50 billion a year in revenue. So um, you know, everybody likes to talk about how it's exploded and taken over things. You know, it's been 15 years. Um, it took them, you know, like we said, six years to get to a billion dollars, and it took them another three years to get to be profitable. So, you know, just to put some of those numbers in perspective, uh, you know, kind of give you a sense of of how they got to where they were. Now, you know, I'm talking about this as a legacy of Andy Jassy at AWS. Um, obviously, you know, Andy wasn't everything at AWS. There are thousands of people that have made it what it is. Uh, but Andy was always the face of AWS. And in fact, you know, I, I commented in the, the 2020 recap and the AWS uh, reInvent recap for 2020 that Andy's always been the face of AWS, uh, at least as long as there's been a reInvent uh, show, which is really kind of the first time that a lot of people uh, kind of saw what was behind the curtain at AWS. So he's always really been the face of it. Um, I thought it was amazing that, you know, for as long as he's been, you know, kind of standing up and doing the huge keynote, that he was really the only person that that everybody knew and that we hadn't seen any sort of changes at the top, which was very unusual for, you know, a large uh, tech uh entity that has grown so much. Oftentimes you see one person kind of be the founder of it until it gets to a point and then it kind of gets too big for them. Obviously, AWS never got too big for Andy Jassy. So uh, that was really, really impressive. Um, it'll be interesting to see who ends up stepping up and becoming the leader of AWS, whether they will immediately be the CEO or in Andy's case, you know, they went from 2006 or a little before that until 2018 before he was actually named the CEO of AWS. But prior to that, he was he was president of AWS. So, you know, will there be a new CEO of AWS or will they go back to somebody having to really prove themselves before they can reach that that level of recognition and title? You know, as I think about it, you know, kind of what what was AWS during his his tenure? Um, and it really was a lot of things. There was there was a lot of things that I think were really first and foremost. He he ultimately defined what public cloud meant. Um, yes, Salesforce.com was out there and, and they really defined SaaS, but AWS really defined what public cloud was. And in essence, they said, we are public cloud, right? They were very adamant to never talk about anybody else. They didn't want to talk about kind of the broader public cloud market. They wanted to say, we are public cloud. And in essence, for a number of years, they were kind of the only major player. Uh, Azure and, and Google had some starts uh, that didn't pan out and then took them a second or third round to get going. But they really wanted to define that if you were talking about the cloud, and they never really said public cloud, they said the cloud, it was going to be the AWS experience. And so they did a huge, uh, you know, huge job of, of really kind of defining that the cloud was AWS and that everybody else who was ever going to play in that space were going to have to catch up. The next thing that they, they did that I thought was really, really interesting and unique was they brought a very Amazon retail psychology to IT, right? IT forever had been, uh, you know, large contracts, uh, long contracts, uh, CapEx-centric types of things. Um, you know, you were never sort of being a loss leader. You were always trying to be profitable from day one. And AWS brought a lot of Amazon psychology, right? We want to get people using the service. We want you to really enjoy using the service. We want to create some flywheels uh, in terms of our business that are going to uh, generate more usage of what's going on. We're willing to lose some money for a period of time in order to be able to 
get to price points that people want, that people are willing to pay for. And so they really brought a whole new psychology to how people thought about IT. You know, you were now talking about things in terms of buying them on an hourly basis, right? Like you can't, you could never fathom what that looked like in 2006 or 2010 even, right? You always thought about hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, long, you know, long contracts and so forth. So that was a huge innovation that they brought to the market. The next thing I thought was, they always spoke in terms of being customer focused, right? The things we're doing are because our customers have asked us for these things, right? They always uh, talked about, you know, we're, we're talking to our customers. We're looking at what our customers are doing. We're trying to innovate with our customers. And, you know, for the longest time, and that's changed a little bit over time, but it was very rarely competitive focused. It was very rarely, well, this is what some other company is doing. Uh, therefore, we're going to do the same thing so that you know you can always compare us. And that was always an interesting perspective. I think people were surprised that that they weren't doing what other IT companies had done. Um, but for the most part, you know, Amazon or AWS in particular never tried to present themselves as an IT company. They wanted to present themselves as the cloud. In fact, in a lot of cases, they presented themselves as sort of the anti-IT company or a replacement for your IT organization, right? So, you know, they did a lot of things to to, talk, to think about the psyche of, did you know, what did the business like about the services that were provided by IT? What did they not like? How could they provide things that people would like more? How could they price it so that it didn't feel like such a huge burden up front? It allowed you to experiment as well as run things long-term in production. So, they did a lot to sort of shape the market, define the market, shape the way you thought about the market, shape the way you thought about competition or didn't think about competition. A few other things that I, I thought about was one of the big things they did that no other company had really done before was they got in the habit of doing consistent, not, not consistent, but constant releases, right? Most companies you were very used to maybe a couple of software releases or a hardware release once or twice a year at best. Then they'd have their big conference and they'd announce however many new things. And then you wouldn't necessarily hear from that company again. Amazon, AWS made announcements a regular thing. So not only did reInvent happen, and then there was sort of the mid-year reInvent, and then every week was a new announcement. And what they did was they would announce a feature. They would announce a new availability zone, a new region, you know, a new compatibility. And while they were never always big announcements, some were big, not all of them were, they were constantly sort of in your face. You were constantly going, oh, I didn't know they had that. Oh, oh, I thought they'd already done that. Oh, okay, I got to go look at that. And so they made, you know, awareness of AWS a thing, which was very, very different and still somewhat different for, for a lot of technology companies. They really made a big deal about early customers, about big early customers, right? And so oftentimes with startups, they'll say, well, we have, you know, 100 customers or 200 customers and, you know, it's companies you've never heard of. Amazon was out there with big names, right? Netflix was a huge, huge customer early on. And they tried to define, you know, kind of the working relationship they were going to have. They were going to not only be separate from Amazon, right, sort of independent from Amazon to a certain extent, because take a company like Netflix, right, Amazon was trying to build their own streaming service. And so they had to work through what was our relationship going to be with our customers? How are we independent from Amazon.com? You know, if a big company like us, you know, like, like Netflix could use Amazon, you can trust them. They won the CIA cloud early, early on um, to try and prove to government that they were capable. And so they really understood 
the psychology of what are the things that are preventing people from using the cloud? How do we knock down those barriers, whether it was for security or scalability or price or whatever it was? They really, really made those important. They made everybody talk about those things, not just, you know, Amazon, but everybody talked about Netflix and how you were either like Netflix or not like Netflix. And so um, they did a really good job of doing that. Um, the only thing I think they they really kind of pioneered, um, and maybe you could argue the SaaS companies were doing this as well, but they really did it in the IS space and the PaaS space was they became very data-driven, very data-driven about how people use their services, what the services, what the patterns were of how services were used. So, you know, the thing that always kind of jumped out to me was, uh, the first time that I heard about Aurora, right? And they talked about how people were using RDS as the database and, you know, they were using it, but the most common complaints they had were, how do I scale this? How do I back it up? How do I figure out storage? How do I figure out storage IOPS? You know, common DBA types of things, infrastructure types of things. And then Aurora came along and they said, we just made those all one service and we made them all automated and we made them really easy to, to click through and to get defaults. And so you, you quickly realize like, oh, they took three or four different services that people had complexities with. They figured out the common problems they had. They figured out the common patterns they had. And they didn't just write a white paper or a best practice or a reference architecture. They made it a completely new service and a completely integrated service. And that's what Amazon has been known to do over and over again. Lots and lots of building blocks to get started, let you do whatever you want, and then begin to look at patterns of how people are using them and try and optimize and improve them. So still something that a lot of technology companies still don't do. They still build individual products. They don't think about how they work together. And then when they do need to work together, they build a reference architecture. They write a reference architecture. Amazon would then turn that into a more improved product, sometimes at a higher margin, but a more improved product. So, you know, I, I think about all those things, all those innovations that, you know, Amazon did. And obviously Andy was at the head of Amazon or AWS throughout that time. Um, you know, those are huge. Those are really industry defining things. They really shaped how a lot of technology works today, how the industry thinks about technology, how their competitors now think about what they deliver and partners think about how they have to work with Amazon. So, you know, in terms of, you know, all the things that, that Amazon's done in terms of growing, and I keep interchanging Amazon and AWS. I think you all know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, Andy has to be able to take credit for a lot of those things. And obviously he didn't do them all. There's, you know, really, really smart people there, but he was at the head of all those. And, and obviously, you know, as we've heard, he is kind of the final say or had been the final say in, in making a lot of those decisions. So, you know, with that, I want to talk about sort of maybe what happens next. And this is by no means intended to be negative uh, or even really predictive, just sort of looking at what the next person to run AWS is going to have to to take on and, and look at. And the first thing I think they're going to have to figure out is while they've grown to, you know, like I said, a $50 billion, $50 billion plus run rate, their growth numbers have slowed down. And there'll be plenty of people who will say, well, you know, you can't grow at 80% forever and you can't grow at 50% forever and because the law of big numbers. But AWS is now one of the biggest uh, revenue generators, one of the biggest profit generators within Amazon.com, and it helps them fund lots of other parts of their business. And so, you know, they're down below 30% growth. They've been somewhat flatlining for the last uh, four quarters, six quarters, eight quarters or so here. And so it'll be very interesting to see what the next person does to try and bring those growth numbers back. 
Is this a matter of, you know, Amazon having to make another big round of CapEx spending, which, you know, a couple of years down the road, we see the results of that. Is it new services that they have to create? Is it new ways of going to market, right? We're now just beginning to see AWS talk about hybrid cloud and and things that are outside of the sort of main Amazon cloud, if you will, things like local zones and, um, you know, snowballs and other stuff like that. So it'll be really interesting to see how they try and grow the company if, you know, their growth rates are okay to them. I assume they're probably not. Um, you know, they, they always have big expectations. It'll be interesting to see if the personality stays the same, right? Everybody sort of, it's easy to say, well, you know, I'm sure there's thousands of people there. The personality is ingrained, but we've seen this thing change, right? We've seen when Bill Gates left Microsoft, Steve Ballmer took over. Steve Ballmer had been there forever. He had been there since, you know, as long as Gates had for the most part, but he ran it very differently than, than Gates did at, at Microsoft. And it just took, you know, getting back to Satya Nadella, really having to go through some changes. So it'll be interesting to see whoever takes over next. Do they sort of continue to walk in Andy's footsteps? Did they do the same things that Andy did? Do they bring a new personality to this? Do they bring a new way of going to market? These are all legitimate questions. Now, does it mean it won't work out? No, absolutely not, right? They have a very deep bench. But historically, we've seen that when you transition from one leader to the next, sometimes it goes extremely well. Sometimes there's some new learnings that have to go on. And it really just depends on the personality, depends on the dynamics of the market. It depends on, you know, what pressures are being put on them. So those are all things that, you know, kind of have to be figured out. Um, You know, will AWS start doing acquisitions? They've never really looked at doing acquisitions in the past. It's never been a growth engine for them, like a lot of IT companies. I don't know. Uh, You know, Andy always said, hey, I, I don't, I prefer not to do acquisitions. They did a few behind the scenes, but never any big acquisitions. Maybe they're at that stage where they have to do some acquisitions. Um, will they do new marketplace and new partnership types of things, right? Amazon, Amazon.com grew when they really rethought how they did partnerships and third-party engagements and and you know how they dealt with third-party sellers. Maybe that's in the cards for AWS down the road as well. So it'll be really interesting to see how this new person comes in, uh, what the growth trajectory looks like, what the personality of AWS looks like, how they interact with the market and all those things look like. So uh, really excited to see what's going to happen. I think a lot of us are are eager to see how quickly they'll name somebody new, whether it'll be somebody from internal or external. I would suspect it's internal uh, just because the Amazon AWS culture is really strong, but maybe it is an opportunity to bring in somebody new with a a fresh perspective. So with that, I'm going to wrap up the Sunday Perspective show. I hope you enjoyed kind of the legacy of uh, Andy Jassy at AWS. Obviously, it's an amazing legacy, um, and he will only continue to grow his legacy at AWS as the CEO of, uh, of Amazon.com. So with that, I'm going to wrap up. Folks, if you enjoy the show, please give it a rating. Uh, you know, We'd love a five-star rating on, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows from. But with that, we'll wrap up, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 